I mean, I'm getting messages all the time about, you know, the impact that this stuff has had. So it's definitely a worthwhile um, endeavor. So today we have gathered today <laughs> to talk about our feelings about being content creators. What is the perception that we are sensing from the outside world about us as YouTubers, as podcasters, Instagrammers, all the things? And how are our family and friends reacting to this sudden uh, appearance, <laughs> our sudden uptick in appearances in the online world? <laughs> Rich, I want to hear from you first. When you started doing your podcasts on a regular basis and promoting what you do with big promotions and that sort of thing, how did your family and your friends start reacting for you? Uh, I didn't have any reaction at all. Everything, everybody was, well, I don't know how many people I told about it, but it, nothing negative at all. Um, I've had a few people, a few of them are nieces and nephews that are, that are really, they think it's kind of cool that, Oh, you're a YouTuber. Oh, cool. And they've actually watched it. And they're probably one of my, they're probably a few of my subs, my family, but that's, you know, I think the last time we had a family thing, somebody might've mentioned something that came up during one of our episodes that was kind of off, on the, off the wall. So no, everybody's generally supportive. It's the, it's the people around. I think it's more the people around the world that don't like, if I try to vlog at the car wash or at the grocery store and, and, uh, and somebody starts talking about it and they, they might be a little curious more than anything else. As far as what are you doing with that camera in this car wash or in this grocery store? Um, but nothing negative so far. I haven't had anything negative. All right, Michelle, you're up because I want to hear also, you have been doing this for probably longer than any of us. So how has that journey gone for you in terms of your close relationships? Well, there's the good and there's the bad. So most of most of the people that watch are lurkers. I'm like, I see you lurking. I see you. Mm -hmm. But they don't say anything. They watch, but they don't say anything. And, you know, every now and then you talk to someone and like, oh, yeah, I caught that episode. I'm like, really? You didn't subscribe. You didn't let, you didn't let me know you were there. Um when I used to do this on Facebook, it was very easy because anytime anybody like looks at, you know, clicks in, you can see who's looking and, you know, you can see who's lurking. And um, that's kind of where I started my journey. I started my journey on Facebook. And then um, I wanted to jump into a bigger pool. And so I went on to YouTube and it's like coming out of <laughs> blue ocean into like the real ocean. And you're like, Oh, wow, there is a lot of people here. And nobody knows me. Okay. <laughs> so but still, I still have the lurkers, the people who see me and they see my stuff. And so eh, I mean, it's it's good. And it's bad. So from the family, they're like, Oh, wow, how's it? How's the YouTube thing going? You know, they ask you that. It was kind of like when I was a Mary Kay person, it's like, you got your pink Cadillac yet? Everybody asked you that. It's the same thing with YouTube. It's like, so how's that YouTube thing going? Like, you know, Thinking, ah, oh, yeah, you know, you and your internet friends, but I'm making lasting connections out here. So I don't care what they say. So they could keep lurking until I roll up in my whatever. And then, you know, they'd be like, oh, YouTube did that for you. I'm like, yes, yes, bitch. Back up. Exactly. I like that. I mean, obviously, all of us are very much of the we're doing this. We don't care what anybody thinks, but how people have reacted in our lives, it, it does it does make a difference. And 
And we're watching that. Dina, you're probably one of the streamers or creators who's really pulled upon your personal relationships to bring them into your world on Silver Lining Home Place. How has that felt for you? And has that sort of changed the way you've interacted? And I know you've had some interesting things with your Bichon people. So I want to hear about that too. I I knew that there was this, a, for lack of a better term, stigma that, that I was going to hit when I did this. What I didn't realize is who the Dina fans were before I was even online. Um, people came that I didn't even know would give five minutes. And that that still surprises me because, like you say, um, I've got this Bichon community um, that I'm a part of. And there's, you know, hundreds of us. And people watch and... It's it's really touching. People I, I would have never expected, and um, I, I'm glad I didn't think about the stigma that much when I got into it. Uh, and now it's something that they look forward to. So I, I I feel like it's been good. I've had some, I don't want to say negative, but I see some of the, the hmm, what is she doing? kind of stuff. But I like, I like Michelle. I, I just don't pay attention to it because I'm not doing this for those people. I'm doing it for the ones that want to see it. Yeah, absolutely. Haters are going to hate. And and that's interesting because I, I know I've had the complete, I wouldn't say the complete opposite, but I've had quite a different reaction from my friends and family on the FH Empire stuff, at least, in that it feels like an, an entirely separate world. Like they don't even, my friends don't even ask me about that side of the business. They're interested if I'm progressing and making money, but when it comes to my actual online, my streams or my videos, it's it's like they don't exist. And that's been weirdly isolating. Do you think, Dina, because you you were in this 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 group, this you know, this mentoring, and we were we were in Catch Twenty Two with Doc. That that helped you feel really comfortable about what you were going to be embarking on, and and maybe that that really pushed you along. Was that part of it? No, I think because I started, I started slowly. I had that slow roll before I really started streaming. But I knew that that this the stigma was there even before I met y'all and got involved with with um, Doc's mentoring. Did you feel that the support from Catch-22 and that we were there in the beginning and like, go Dina, go stream, that 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 sort of helped push through that stigma that you knew was there? Yeah, yeah. I think as I started streaming more and did hear about some people kind of being less than positive, yes, it did help. Um, I, I was talking to an acquaintance's husband at a function, I don't know, maybe one to two months after I started streaming. And we were all in the same room. The acquaintance was just about five feet away from me. And her husband said, oh, I caught this episode. And he explained something that I had done. And I said, oh, I had no idea that you watched. And his eyes darted straight to his wife. And he's like, like, not allowed to watch kind of thing. So I've I've had that. And since then, there's been another, you know, one or two other times that he and I have had a similar conversation where he's like, I love this thing that you did. And then he realizes, oh, I can't be admitting that I'm watching. So um, I find that interesting, but that's not stopping me. Uh, there are too many people that enjoy it. And 
You know, what are you going to do? Let one person stop you? I mean, I'm not doing this for the people that don't want it. It's not like you're running an OnlyFans. I, I, that's just the weirdest <laughs> that we know thing of. I have. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. You've got to sneak. You've got to sneak some stuff in there for him, like say his name or something. I don't know. Figure out some way to call him. Out. I am not gonna. I do not want to play those games. <laughs> you know, I mean, that that's their thing. <laughs> None of my business. But yeah, so so the, it's out there, and I I don't understand what that might be. And sometimes I do think about it, but. I think the thing I would want somebody who's just starting out and kind of worrying about this, you know, you haven't talked to that person in how many years since high school? Why do you really care what they think? And I I just decided, you know what? They're not doing it, so I'm going to do it because I want to do this thing. And yeah. Yeah, yeah it's... It, it is sad to see people talking down about those of us doing this, but hey, just don't listen. Keep moving ahead. You know? Yeah. Yeah. We all it's know how road- much courage it takes. Yeah. It's it's a road less traveled, you know, because everybody, the, the, the thing to me that is like so shocking is that most people are followers, right? Very few people lead. And if you're out here just, just leading the way, doing something that they've never done before. They're going to, they're going to watch. They're going to be lurking. Trust. They're going to be lurking and they're going to be like, Oh, wow. Oh, there was something to that. Oh, maybe, maybe how can I get into that? You know what? I should have did this years ago when I saw Dina doing it, you know, and then, then they're going to be knocking at your door. So, you know, when it, when it's popular, but you know, it's a road less travel right now. So let's, it's a lonely road. Let's go. Absolutely. I was just I was trying to really quickly Google the statistics because I've heard it a few times on from various content creators and their podcasts saying that that of I think it's like 90 percent of people who are on YouTube aren't creators and only 10 percent are. Or I think that the ratio is even worse. If somebody can find a better number, I'd I'd really appreciate being corrected. I'd be surprised if it was 10 percent of people on YouTube were creators, to be honest. Yeah, that sounds it does sound excessive, doesn't it? (laughs) And the whole point that that we think, especially for us, because we're in the world that we look at, we think, oh, my God, everybody's creating, like everybody's got a channel, everybody's doing that. But we're in that world. And we really are doing a very exceptional thing. So many people watch YouTube and think, I could do that. I could do that in my sleep. And uh, no, no, you can't. You can't do it in your sleep because we've all tried because we've all done this sleep deprived. It's really, really challenging. And it's especially challenging to be consistent or to do it over a long period of time and do it when it's difficult and, and all that. So yeah, that's that's pretty crazy. I th- Alex probably digging at the stats, but I want to ask you first before you find them: Do your kids think you're the coolest dad in the world because you're a YouTube star? Um, well, uh, there's a couple of technicalities there <laughs> to correct, but um, my my youngest two basically have got n- no idea. They see my face on you know their iPad; it will come up sometimes, um, like in in the YouTube feed. Um, but it's uh, I suppose Jasmine is my oldest. She thinks it's kind of cool. Um, and then I've got like <laughs> my merch. And if I go and pick her up from school, she thinks it's cool if I happen to be wearing one of those things. 
Um, but for for the rest of my family, I mean, they've been supportive. The thing for me about it is that when I put this idea down as a, as a topic for public perception, it's kind of this thing of um, what the expectations are once you start your channel. So all of my family have been supportive about it and think it's great uh, and can see where I'm leading to with it in terms of, you know, the, the larger business arc of it, I guess. Um, but it's this thing of expecting like, oh, well, YouTubers make loads of money. YouTubers have got massive channels. They get millions of views. So it's this thing where, you know, there was a, there was a point at which I was talking with uh, somebody in my family and it was, you know, well, how many subs are you on? And I was at, you know, I don't know, less than a thousand. And there was this light look of like, oh, never mind. You know, it's not worked. <laughs> and it's like, well, you know, I've literally only started however many months ago and it's just sort of building up. And there's this, as creators, we're all talking about these things between each other. Um, we can see, you know, the, you know, the way that channels grow and the, the fact that you don't really get overnight successes. And if you do, then they're usually short lived. So it's about building that long term audience and, and us having an understanding that it takes time. And so when other people are looking from the outside and <laughs> seeing, you know, uh, what other people are doing or, and not actually realizing, oh, yeah, well, those people have been doing it for 10 years and they've been posting consistently, uh, you know, every every day, every week or whatever it happens to be for, for 10 years. And that's where they've got to. You know, there's, uh, if you look at, I don't really watch Mr. Beast, <laughs> my kids do, but um, when you see, you know, his subscriber arc, obviously he's the biggest YouTuber, but at one point he was like creeping up to, oh, I'm approaching a thousand subs, <laughs> you know, and, and it was like a long, slow, drawn out process. And that really is the perception thing that I think is missing. There's also another aspect of it, which is, what level do you actually have to be at to, um, you know, to start to make money on YouTube? And there's obviously the thousand subscriber threshold and watch time or ever before you can start even monetizing from YouTube. But then understanding that, well, actually, that isn't going to give you a, you know, the the main source of income potential from uh, uh, from YouTube. But perhaps that's for a little bit of a later on in the conversation. Yeah, well, it, it, we'll definitely circle back to that because I think that's a, a really valid point and just sort of the overall, what do people think YouTubers or content creators are doing with their lives? But but Rob, how have your family uh, reacted to all this, especially because you're you're very narrowly targeted, uh, like some of us, but you're, you're just really... In, in those in those small little corners and how does that seem to play with your family members thinking what's a medical uh see i'm gonna get your i'm gonna get your well wrong. let me just start you by say saying uh, say my it. name is my name is rob and i'm a disney adult and um if you want to talk about perceptions of people on a grand scale just mention that you like disney and you're over you know 16 years old and you're immediately thrown into a little pot and boiled, uh, you know, for your carcass. It's, it's not, I mean, there's, you know, national publications, write Articles about being a Disney adult. So, and I've been doing this for decades. I mean, uh, you know, my family understands and has benefited from my love of Disney. Um, so they don't care. You know, they, they, you know, and, and as we've joked about before, my sister is probably a lot more productive than I am, is a creator now just in the past eight, 10 months and has, has created her following. So this, any stigma or anything like that, um, isn't there in my family. We've always been creative. Um, pretty much everybody in my family has done time 
on the stage uh, singing or dancing or acting. So something like this is a natural progression for us. So on on that matter, uh, I don't have a problem with my family. Now, at the same time, some of the, the content that I have put out on the Disney side, either you know directly produced by myself or being hosted by by other Disney creators where I've talked, um, was found in, in the past year and a half, not that it's been hiding, uh, and used against me uh, as a, you know, look, this creepy person's running for school board. And I don't think being a Disney fan is creepy. I don't think going on vacation is problematic. Um, you know, there's a lot of hate out there for different reasons. And these people were going to attack me regardless of what. And so, you know, I really don't care in terms of my telehealth telemedicine marketplace and the people that are my friends, competitors, whatever, they don't care either on the Disney side, nor, you know, and, and so, you know, half the stuff that I've created, you know, at, to this point, especially in the telehealth space, is only going to be seen by 100, 200 people. Um, and that's perfectly fine because that's who my target is and that's who I'm going to make my money from. So me sitting in front of a camera like this is, is one thing. I'm, you know, uh, I'm not going to run for office again, probably. Please write this date and time down that I've said that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, the reality is, is that even this program could be used against me down the line because I'm still f- very politically active and and am going to be supporting and helping other people down the line. Uh, I, as I am now, you know, the cycle hasn't really started yet, but it started. And so I, you know, I don't, uh, uh, you know, in terms of my love for Disney, it's been going on for decades and I was, you know, me and my, my groups have been, uh, looked at weirdly for a long period of time and we're used to it by now. I've had over time, it just doesn't matter because we have fun. And let me tell you, if you really want to go out drinking with a bunch of people, Disney fans are pretty good people to go get drunk with. So, you know, you can stigmatize this all we want. We're going to be out having fun. Okay, duly noted. The next time that I'm I'm down in the dumps and I just really need a good night on the town, I'm going to call up my Disney friends and say, let's do this. But I, those are some really interesting comments, and you really dovetailed back into what Alec was talking about in terms of what success means for creators like us who are not looking for Mr. Beast or whatever your rent, your resident Twitch gamers uh, success levels are, where you're appealing to a massive broad audience. We're looking for something where we can provide value to a very specific group of people, that niche audience. And that's what we really want. You've got your telemedicine, Rob, I've got my, my hockey umpires and and my my market is is small and I know it's small because I'm still growing but I'm growing at the same at the same rate it's just it's just sliding right along and and we'll get to this when we talk about analytics in in future episodes but I I'm wondering about how it is that you know we we reconcile and we look at how YouTubers are or 
YouTubers, Instagrammers, TikTokers, none of us are on TikTok, but if we were, um, how, how that definition of success then sort of dovetails into this whole public perception and, and how all that works. Rich, how have you, you found that in your own journey and looking at how, what's a successful YouTuber? Well, it's all about business. And in, in my industry, there's other people in my industry that are dipping their toes in this content stuff too. And I think we're all just trying to collectively bring our industry up and to the forefront. Because a lot of people think that selling printed promotional products is kind of a tchotchke, cheapy thing. And it's an afterthought in advertising when it actually can be a pretty good uh, part of your marketing and, and be really effective. And so we're trying to escalate that to to uh, or elevate our industry collectively as a whole. So we're all very supportive of each other. Um, as far as customers seeing my stuff, I've had a few mention that they've seen this or that. Not many. I don't know that I'm getting any business out of it, but I think I've talked about it before, though. I don't want somebody to never hear of my company and they decide to go look me up and see that I had a TikTok account and I posted a year ago. So I actually posted stuff two hours ago. So it's uh, when you say we're not on TikTok, I'm on TikTok. I don't know about you. And I think you are too. <laughs> yeah. Really. Well, no, not really. <laughs> I'm okay. not really there, but Rich, I'm very proud of you. And that's now I'm feeling, I'm feeling that not FOMO. What is that guilty feeling when you hear one of your creator friends is doing more than you on a particular platform? And I don't know that the it's FOMO or anything. Out? I just want to, I just, and, and also people say do stuff for the platform. I don't do that. I do a very lazy job of it. I take the exact same mm -hmm. thing I post everywhere and post it everywhere. Yeah. I just yeah. don't, I, mm -hmm. I don't have time to do four different yeah, platforms. That's totally fine. So, but that's it. I, I've had a couple people mention to me that they've watched one or two episodes and they would much prefer it if I would just go on TikTok. <laughs> so it, it's interesting. They're like, I don't watch you because it's too, too long or I don't do YouTube. I get a lot of, I don't do YouTubes. Um, they want to see you on a different platform and I'm just not, I can't cave to that right now. There, there's a pull to to want to do that and you know satisfy that part of an audience but the thing that i had to come to grips with was wow these are a couple of my favorite people but i can't take on another platform right now and do it well just for these two people and i know that other people will come when they see it and all that but um i do find it interesting that we we have almost all of us stuck with with a platform, with the platforms that we have, and haven't dipped into the TikTok as as deep as perhaps maybe people want us to. I started with TikTok. Um, you know, I put a couple of things out. I don't know. TikTok for me is a slippery slope. <laughs> you know, my son, however, is going like gangbusters on it. He's got multiple things that uh, has has gotten over like I don't know. Two million views, lots and lots. And I'm like, oh, this is great. So he just got, just recently got monetized. And, you know, I mean, what, he's like 20, you know, he's a gamer. He does game and stuff. So, yeah, it's a bunch of them out there. But I've seen a few of us uh, out there, you know, making our mark, doing the things out there. And just like you, Rich, I, I see the same stuff on Instagram and I also, you know, whatever's on Instagram is on TikTok. And so I, I initially started to do that. But then, I don't know, some mentor of mine told me once that, you know, you have to like really curate for the platform. So like if if you want, 
you know, you, you know, this, the same stuff that works on TikTok doesn't work on YouTube. So take my son, for instance, he's got, you know, thousands of people in his, he's got thousands of subs. He's monetized now on TikTok and he paid him. Oh my God, I'm so excited. Um, and you know, all of this stuff, but he tries to put some of the same stuff on YouTube and he's like really frustrated because he's not growing like he's growing on TikTok. So yeah, you know, and I'm, I'm starting to think the mentor, you know, she was right. She was like, you got to curate for the platform. So you can't just throw something up there. I mean, yes, you can, you can, but you know, um, I, ain't nobody got time for that. At least not right now. Okay. <laughs> not right now. When I have a team and I could like have a VA say, Hey, you got the TikTok account. Here's your assets. Go. Then I'm all for it. But right now it's me, find me and Hey, that's not what I want to do. So it is. Yeah. What it is. And- it gets back to that definition of success and thinking that, well, you know, maybe somebody would look at our our banging TikTok account with 20,000 followers or 50,000 followers. But if we're not, for us, if we're not converting any of those people into community members or people who are buying our courses or buying our products or learning from us, then we are not successful as creators in the way that we are like we're creating for a purpose, not just to entertain or just to gather the followers. So I I can see that there's that, that tension between people who think that content creation on these platforms is just for consumption, for entertainment. Whereas we see this as this is pure, almost purely a marketing you know, endeavor for us, a way to gather that awareness and, and all that sort of thing. Uh, Alec, do you have anything that you want to chime in on this about, you know, since you were the one who, who brought up the whole topic of what success is and, and, uh, and that sort of thing? Yeah. I mean, that's the, the thing of the number, the subscriber number. I mean, everyone talks about, you know, if you're in creator circles, you know, don't chase subscribers, you know, just do the work and that that thing will come. But there is this sort of outside perception of it. And I was watching a uh, stand-up comedy thing and it was a, a, the comedian was asking people in the audience, you know, where are you from, what do you do, that kind of thing. And uh, this one guy uh, in his 40s said, um, I'm a YouTuber. And then the guy just like immediately laughed at him and said, oh, you're a YouTuber. How many subscribers have you got? And it was something like 10,000 thereabouts and when he said he got ten thousand subscribers the comedian's reaction was you are not a youtuber if you've only got ten thousand subscribers Uh, i bet you are just still living at home with your parents in their bedroom that is ridiculous you are not a youtuber come on how old are you when are you going to get a proper job and that was the reaction of this comedian and obviously he's a comedian he's there to make like comedy out of a situation but I think that that is a perception. You know, if you say to somebody, like, oh, I'm a, I mean, I, I say that I'm a content creator or course creator or online educator or something like that. Um, but if you say I'm a YouTuber, how many subs have you got? Uh, you know, a thousand. People will just say, think that, well, that's not actually really very many. Whereas in actual fact, you could be speaking to a whole school of, of, of students if you're, you know, have, have got an educational channel with that many people. So um, there is this, this sort of perception of it that's a little bit... Um, a little bit off, I think. And also the whole thing about monetization. Yeah, you can get monetized at a thousand subs, but you're not going to make, you know, a huge amount. I've made a point in, you know, since I did get monetized of making that information public, because lots of people I found when I started my channel were saying, oh, you're not going to make a lot of money from, you know, AdSense. 
but nobody really sort of actually put it out there and said this is how much I've made from this number of videos so that's why when I've been doing my sort of channel updates I've been telling people what that is um, but the fact is that that is just a small fraction of what you can make if you're using this as uh, you know a, a marketing tool for your as you were saying you know courses and things like that there's another little thing though about um, public perception which is actually the perception between creators as well when you're a creator with you know x number of subs and then you see somebody else who's got a different number maybe a much higher number um, it's easy to look at them and assume that what they're uh, you know being able to generate from it is directly scaled up from what you are because you feel like oh well we've got some inside knowledge we know I'll, I'll speak for myself <laughs> i've got some inside knowledge i feel like oh well i know you know where things are with this um but then actually you realize i realized oh well actually it's not like that you might have somebody that's got a hundred thousand two hundred thousand or fifty thousand whatever it happens to be um and they're actually not as far along as you would have thought um so it's even at the you know within creators it's not a sort of, uh, the, I guess what I'm getting to is the subscriber number is not a, a a way to gauge success, really, in terms of, you know, if somebody's doing that as a business from a, a financial point of view. Um, yeah. And I looked up, a, I didn't find the stat you were looking for, but I looked up a stat about what percentage of YouTubers are above 100,000. And I'm getting mixed results, but basically it seems to be between about 0.2 of a percent uh, and up to two percent so uh, you know that sort of range but it's a very small number of people who are on youtube who are actually over a hundred thousand and yet a lot of people would say oh unless you've got a hundred thousand it's a, an unsuccessful <laughs> channel you know some of the outside people yeah the, it, it's crazy and when you think about how we as members of this community and we're talking to each other all the time and we're talking to other creators that even we are caught in that thought that that expectation or assumption that if you have a large number behind your your channel mm -hmm. name that that makes you successful and i just had a conversation with a creator earlier this week who i assumed was making a certain level of revenue or having a certain amount of success and they confessed to me that they were they were feeling very uncertain and 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 not very happy with the direction and what we did is we went through talking numbers and we were i i was very open and transparent with them i i said exactly what i was making from certain things that i was doing in, with both discord coach and fh umpires because um especially when you're a woman it's something that we don't talk about enough is money we don't we don't talk hard figures what we're making cuz it seems oh it's just rude so i i i'm trying to break that down in my own uh my own thinking and when I got through with that and I have my channel that is is creeping up to 2,000 subscribers on FH Umpires and Discord Coach is still limping along because I'm not focusing enough attention on the content there and and I'm, I'm making more money, uh, significantly more money. So going through that conversation was so illuminating for me and I think it's the kind of conversation that we as creators need to have as much as we can, because we got to break this down and stop this whole, this whole stigma that we develop for ourselves that, oh my God, we're not doing well enough because we're, we're not reaching this number and we're, we keep obsessing over, uh, over those things and we're obsessing over the wrong things <laughs> and we need to obsess over our people and the impact that we're making and the feedback that we're getting and the, and the lives that we're changing or the, the people we're just 
helping in, in any respect, helping them have a better day. That's awesome. (laughs) That's the best stuff that's out there. So, um, I, I think it's, it's a good wake up call for us. And I'm really happy to hear that all of you are feeling pretty good about, uh, your, your, your placements in this, even though we're, we're, maybe not all of our family and friends are completely on board or understand even what the heck we're doing. Does anybody have any closing thoughts you want to throw in on this episode about how we're perceived and how we're feeling? Any, any more worlds we're going to change? I guess, I guess the point is that if you, you know, if it's something that you want to do and you believe in it, then don't let, you know, the, the whatever connotations you might think there are associated with it, or also potentially, I mean, we've, I think all got pretty supportive families around it but if you have got you know anything like that um that you don't need to think that you've got to get to those big numbers to actually uh first of all make a real impact on people especially with like educational content i mean i'm getting messages all the time about you know the impact that this stuff has had so it's definitely a worthwhile um endeavor and also uh you know from just a business point of view you really don't need um to have (laughs) thousands even of subscribers to actually get a loyal following of people who want the thing that you've got to offer. And whether that is courses, whether it's coaching, whether it's, you know, consultations or uh, maybe even just like work for your business, whatever else, you know, uh, and your other business. Um, it's it's a great way to connect with people and to, to put yourself out there to, you know, potentially a very large audience. There's also just one other thing, which is that the subscriber limit is not the subscriber number is not the number of people who are watching your videos. Um, and that works both ways. I get, you know, far more people watch my videos every month than I have subscribers, but it goes the opposite way. Some people with a really large subscriber number might only be getting a few views. So uh, that correlation is something to uh, just be aware of that they're not necessarily correlated. Great point. Thanks, everybody. Great chat. Thanks for hopping into our Creators Pod. If you enjoyed it, we'd love if you would subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review. Tell a friend about it, too. Check out the video version on our YouTube channel, Creators Pod. The Creators Pod is produced by C22 Media. Alec Johnson, Keely Dunn, Michelle Lawrence, Rich Graham, Rob Valls, and me, Dina Taylor. Thanks, y'all. Well, somebody's got to say something now because that's in the show. <laughs>